This afternoon, we are focusing on Lord's Day 26 of the Heidelberg Catechism and Scriptures, teaching of holy baptism. So we're going to read all of Lord's Day 26, and then I will also read question and answer 73 of Lord's Day 27 as well. I'll be referencing it in the sermon. Lord's Day 26, how does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ has instituted this outward washing, and with it gave the promise that, as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with the Spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated where Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Now we're going to skip to question and answer 73 of Lord's Day 27. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? God speaks in this way for a good reason. He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ remove our sins just as water takes away the dirt from the body But even more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly cleansed from our sins spiritually as we are bodily washed with water. Thus far, our reading. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, over the course of a day, we will undoubtedly, at times, make judgments about ourselves in our hearts. And these judgments are often about our identity, about who we believe we are. And here's a list of random examples for you. I'm great at my job. I wish I were more attractive. I'm a failure. I'm good at sports. I'm no good at anything. I'm worthless. I'm popular. I'll never get over this sin. God must not love me. I'm smarter than that person is. I'm the black sheep of the family. So that's a list of examples for you. Now, perhaps most of the time we don't even realize that we make these judgments in our hearts. However, making these sorts of judgments in our hearts about who we are has an effect on us, whether we realize it or not. And often it affects us in two different ways. First, many of these judgments also that I listed, they tend to push us towards either pride or maybe some kind of despair. For example, if a person believes he or she is worthless, it will push that person towards despair. And second, 
We often live according to our identity. For example, if somebody identifies himself as the class clown, he will tend to act that way. That's his identity, and so he acts on it. So our, our identity impacts us in very profound ways. This afternoon, we're studying the doctrine of holy baptism. What I want us to see this afternoon is that baptism is about identity. And an identity that God gives us. Baptism proclaims a message about who we are in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God wants us to identify a certain way in our Lord Jesus Christ. And baptism is given to strengthen that belief in our hearts about who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. And this helps us in this life in so many ways, as we hope to see this afternoon. So as I preach you God's word this afternoon, I'll do so under the following theme and points. Baptism is about identity. Who am I in Christ? And this message of baptism helps us when we are, first of all, struggling with doubts about salvation, uh, secondly, battling against sin, and finally, dealing with the troubles and trials of life. So baptism is about who we are in Christ. And look at what Lord's Day 26 and the first part of Lord's Day 27 say about this. And what are some of the, the things God proclaims in baptism? Well, as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly Christ's blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. Christ's blood, it cleanses us from all sin. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, makes us spiritually alive so that we might obey God rather than sinful desires. This is also not a complete list in Lord's Days 26 and 27. Baptism pictures other things for us. It proclaims to us that in Christ Jesus we are justified before God. New creatures with a new nature. Adopted into God's family. Temples of the Holy Spirit. Heirs of eternal life. Baptism is also meant to separate the people who belong to God and the people who belong to Satan, the people of the world and the people of the church. God is declaring to those who are baptized, I have claimed you, you belong to my church. Well, there's a negative side to baptism also. Baptism is also, it proclaims, God proclaims through baptism also a message of judgment. Judgment of people who do not believe. Think of the Old Testament events that, ba that symbolize baptism. There were two, the great flood in Noah's time and the crossing of the Red Sea. These waters were waters of judgment for those who did not believe. Think of the unbelieving world. Think of Pharaoh and his army. It's the same thing God proclaims in baptism. If we refuse to believe, then the waters of baptism are waters of judgment. However, even though this message of baptism is, uh, judgment is there in baptism, baptism is not meant to discourage those who are weak in faith. 
See, there's a difference between struggling with doubts about salvation and outright rejecting Jesus Christ. Those two things are not the same. And sometimes God's children can really struggle with assurance, face many doubts about salvation. And maybe they wonder if they're actually under God's judgment. And things can quite quickly go in a downward spiral from there. Am I really God's child? Maybe I'm not one of his chosen ones. After all, if I were God's child, why would he let me struggle with thoughts like these? And why doesn't God do something? After all, I've struggled for so long. But beloved, we must realize it does not work that way. God has done something to help you with your doubts. He's given you baptism. And in order to gain assurance of your salvation, don't expect to hear an audible voice from God. How does the Lord move us from weak faith to an ever-increasing faith? Well, God uses means. And one of those means is the sacrament of baptism. You see, God uses something that comes to us from the outside to change our thinking on the inside. Let me say that again. God comes to us with baptism from the outside, not the inside, but from the outside of ourselves to change our thinking on the inside. And he declares to us through baptism, here, look at this. Believe this identity in your heart. Stop doubting and believe what this baptism proclaims to you. Look at what we confess in question and answer 73, which we also read. There we confess God wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly cleansed from our sins virtually as we are bodily washed with water. You want to grow in faith? Then understand and believe the message God is proclaiming to you in baptism. What difference does this identity make? Well, perhaps an illustration can help. It's a bit of an older news story, but I think it's a, a helpful illustration. In the summer of 2018, the world was captivated by news out of Thailand. Twelve boys from a soccer team, along with their coach, got trapped in a cave. They had explored the cave one afternoon... Suddenly, they realized that water had come in and blocked their exit out of the cave. And rising cave waters forced them further and further into the blackness of the cave. And there they sat eventually, trapped, no way out. And in fact, they were four kilometers inside that cave without any hope. Way back in that cave, those waters separated them from life outside. If they tried to go through those waters on their own effort, they would die. And so, again, they were without hope. Death seemed inevitable. But then, about ten days later, some divers came through the waters and finally found them. They came to rescue them. And eventually they brought them out. They sedated the boys with medication. They carried them through those waters safely to the other side. 
And those boys, they did nothing to save themselves. All they did was pass through those waters by the strength and work of somebody else. And when they exited that cave, what a feeling of relief and joy they must have had. We have been saved. Against all odds, we have been saved. Now we have hope. Now we are on the side of light and life. We are no longer sitting in the darkness, doomed to die. We are free. Beloved, that is similar to us and the message of baptism that God proclaims to us in Jesus Christ. By our sin and folly, we plunged ourselves into darkness and ruin, and we were left without hope. We had it far worse than those boys trapped in that cave because we were spiritually dead. And in order to be saved, we would need to pass through the judgment of death and then rise again on the other side. But none of us could do that on our own efforts. We would simply die. We would be trapped by death forever. None of us can pass through God's judgment on our own and live. But thanks be to God. He came to rescue us when we were without hope. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from that hopeless state. And what did Christ do? Well, Scripture says we are joined to Christ in his death and resurrection. Right? Like those boys were brought through those waters out of the cave by those divers. Christ has brought us through death into life by his power, by his merits. And now we are raised with Christ into eternal life. He's rescued us from our hopeless condition. And baptism symbolizes this change for us. It symbolizes this passing from death to life and salvation. You see, in baptism, where we move from one side of the waters to the other. It's not that the water of baptism itself saves us. Of course not. But it represents the salvation Christ gives us, who has brought us from death into life. And by passing through those waters of baptism, God is assuring you of this salvation in Christ. And he's proclaiming to you that in Christ, now you stand on the side of the resurrection. You stand on the side of eternal life, the side of light, the side of freedom and joy. Just like those boys moved from the darkness to the life and light of the outside world. 1 Corinthians 6 affirms this change represented by baptism when it says, We've been washed. We've been justified. We've been sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It's all by the grace of God. It's all by the merit of Christ. God is saying to you, look at your baptism. Believe that this is who you are in Christ. Stop doubting and believe. If you have not been identifying yourself in this way, then start. Start doing it today. Start doing it every day. Do it every morning when you get up. That's how you start your day. This is who I am in Christ. It might take time for this to sink in, but that's okay. 
can continually look to God's promises proclaimed in your baptism. Brings us to our next point. Now, having given us this identity in Christ, God now calls you to live according to that identity. As I said in the introduction to the sermon, we tend to live according to how we identify. And God has given us an identity in Christ. He says, said, this is who you are. And now he calls you to live according to that identity. In fact, this identity is the very thing we need to fight against sin and to overcome it. Look at how this works in our reading from 1 Corinthians 6. Paul rebuked the Corinthian Christians because they were making lawsuits against each other and taking each other to court. And things got so bad that he says, why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. It's terrible enough to defraud anyone, but how can a Christian defraud his fellow Christian? It's outrageous. So Paul warns them, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And he's saying, right now, by your behavior, you're affirming your old identity apart from Christ. That's your old life. That's how you used to be. So first he warns them, remember, it's those people who won't inherit the kingdom of God. Then he reminds them of who they are in Christ. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Basically, he's saying, why are you living in a way that's completely opposite of who you are in Christ? doesn't make any sense what you are doing. You see, God has not only changed your status, forgiven, he's also changed your condition. You are now alive in Christ. So now live like it. And to drive this home, let's think of those boys trapped in the cave again. For over two weeks, those boys were trapped in that cave. And there they were forced to live a terrible life in that cave. They were trapped. They couldn't see anything. They weren't free to live as they were created to live. And the life they lived there in that cave was more like death than like life. But then they were rescued. They were brought out of that cave. Well, how will they then live once they are rescued? Well, they will live as free people. Does it make any sense for them to continue living like they are still trapped in that cave? Of course not. They are free. If one of those boys, after being rescued, pretended like he was still in that cave, people would tell him, why are you living like that? That's ridiculous. You're free. You can live properly now. Stop living like you're still in that cave. That's similar to how it is with us. Being joined with Christ in his resurrection, pictured by baptism, we're not only forgiven, we're raised to new life, given a new nature, set free from sin. We can live the way we were created to live. 
it makes no sense to live like we're still on the side of slaves of sin and death. That's our old identity, a terrible identity. You can see how this works further in 1 Corinthians 6. Corinth was a city known for its sexual immorality. It appears that the Corinthian church struggled in this matter also. To teach them to flee sexual immorality, what does Paul first teach them? He states again who they are in Christ. Listen to verse 15. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Right? Since you are joined in Christ, he is your head. That means this. Your body is a part of Christ's body here on earth. And so when you do things with your own body in this life, it's as if Christ himself were doing those things. How then can the members of Christ engage in sexual immorality? Didn't you see that you are defiling the, the body of Christ? Apostle Paul does the same thing in verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And since you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, when you do things with your body, it's as if the Spirit himself were doing those things. Don't you see how backwards it is to live a life of sin? Defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember, beloved, baptism represents a change we have. It's declaring to you, you are members of Christ. You are a temple of the Spirit. Act according to that identity. Honor God in your body. Live for him. Live to please the one who has saved you. Brings us to our last point. Now, baptism proclaims to us that we have been raised with Christ. Because this is true, it also helps us uh, throughout life. As Belgian Confession, Article 34 says, baptism benefits us not only when the water is on us, when we receive it, but throughout our whole life. And this is true. You see, this identity that God proclaims through baptism, it gives us a rock-solid foundation to face all the trials and suffering of life. See, we might find our identity in many things. Maybe it's in our job. Maybe we are an athlete. Maybe it's in a relationship or something like that. And strictly speaking, there's, there's nothing really wrong with that. We can do that to a degree. But we must know this. All of those other identities can be damaged or taken away by the brokenness of life. And what happens to us if we build our entire identity on those things? Well, as Tim Keller has said, our world is shaken to its core when things go wrong. You could build your identity completely upon your career. Well, it can lead to workaholism or to heartbreak when things go wrong. What happens then if you lose your job or make mistakes at work? Well, the thing that makes you who you are has then failed you. And you will be heartbroken. You have no more foundation upon which to stand and keep going in life. 
If your identity is entirely built on being a good athlete, what happens? Well, you will do everything you can to hold on to that identity. Why do you think all these superstars come out of retirement again and again? They have no identity apart from sports. And what happens if you get injured or cost your team the game or get too old? Again, you will suffer terribly. The very core of your identity is gone. And how can I then live? Your identity is entirely wrapped up in having a boyfriend or girlfriend. What happens if that's lost? Well, if the relationship fails, you'll feel like your entire life is ruined. We could go on with countless examples. Any identity apart from Christ can be lost in the suffering and brokenness of life. But against all of that, God has given us the good news of Christ, also declared in baptism. And he proclaims to us an identity that is rock solid. This identity is not taken away by any suffering in this life. None. That's because it's tied to Christ and what he did in his death and resurrection. Christ stepped into everlasting life by his resurrection. He has taken us there with him. And Christ cannot be destroyed by the brokenness of life. He cannot die. And because we share in that life, neither can can we be shattered by the brokenness of life. And so if I am in Christ, I might lose my job. My possessions, my health, a spouse, a car, a business opportunity, whatever it might be. But none of that has affected this identity. You can hold on to your baptism and the message it proclaims and say, I will always have this. Now, of course, all of that doesn't mean we, we can't mourn when we face the brokenness of life doesn't mean we're never affected by those things. Indeed, we are, and you may mourn. You may, in fact, cry out to God as you go through pain. It's natural and fitting to do so. But what it does mean is that God has given you an anchor. An anchor by which you can face the storms of life. You can say, I've been baptized. I can trust this message that I belong to God through Christ no matter what. And I can always lean on this no matter what I might be going through. And it won't be taken from me. This can help you too if you've ever been hurt by other people. When you've been hurt badly by somebody, it's, not, it's hard not to make that experience your very identity. It can color how you see all of life. And again, it's true, it will have a deep impact. You may cry out to God if you've been hurt by others. But baptism declares to you that no matter how badly someone has hurt you, that person cannot take away what God has given you in Christ. Christ has bought you body and soul, and you belong to him. And you will one day be with him forever, no matter what someone else has done to you. And this identity God proclaims to us in baptism helps us in Also, as we look to the future, I think also some of the the younger members among us, as you live through the teenage years, also into your early 20s, oftentimes you have many big decisions to make in life, career choices, 
maybe trying to find a, a spouse. And it can, even, can be hard even to know how to identify yourself. Who am I even? It can be hard when those life decisions don't work out like you want them to. Then you might struggle with questions such as, what's my purpose in this world? I can't seem to get my life together. I feel like I don't have any direction. But in those moments, remember your baptism. God has given you a beautiful direction. Baptism isn't just about what God has done for you in Christ in the past, but where he is taking you. The new heavens and the new earth. And eternal life is coming. So God says to you, trust this message in baptism. Build your life on this identity. And even if all those other things seem to go wrong in your life, this will not. I guarantee it because it's built upon my promise. It's built upon what Christ has done for you, and so it will not fail. And even if you still feel a measure of wandering, just serve God. It's not going to waste. God will reward any work you do for him in faith. You will find fulfillment along the way. Beloved, God has given us so much in baptism as it points us to Christ. Look to this always. May it give you the identity, direction, and anchor you need always. Amen. Let's now respond to the preaching of God's word by singing together hymn 84.